You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 135. Thank you, Q's Podcast listeners, for tuning in. Today's show will be a conversation about grit, what it is, what it isn't, the value of it, and how to get some in your life. As you know, on this podcast, you can hear from a wide range of cross-industry experts discussing trends and topics relevant to you. Today's guest is author, educator, and coach, Caroline Adams-Miller. My name is Tony Covington, and I'm the Vice President of Business Development for Talent Ed and a former NFL player. So much of what Caroline says in this show resonates with me. Caroline first started thinking about grit while completing her Master's of Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. Angela Duckworth, winner of the 2013 MacArthur Genius Grant for her research on grit, said of Caroline, I don't know anybody who has thought more than Caroline about how to apply the scientific research on grit and achievement to our own lives. Caroline's latest book is Getting Grit, the Evidence-Based Approach to Cultivating Passion, Perseverance, and Purpose. In this show, Caroline gives great ideas about whether grit can be cultivated, it can, whether it's contagious, it is, as well as who does not need to cultivate grit. You'll love what she says in this episode and may well be inspired to register for Director's Conference in December, where Caroline will present a keynote titled Bridging Grit, Resilience, and Happiness, a revolutionary approach to game-changing results. For sure, you're going to find insights in this episode that you can apply in your work and in your life. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Caroline. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you for blessing our audience with your time. I, I know that it's precious and we appreciate you taking the time for us today. My pleasure. So let's jump right in. How did you first come to be focused on grit? Um, several different ways. One was Angela Duckworth was running in and out of classrooms at Penn when I was getting this Master's of Applied Positive Psychology in 2005. She's now known for her grit work, got a MacArthur Genius Grant Award. But I was writing the first evidence-based goal-setting book for the mass market at that point. And I knew from all the research I was reading that the happiest people wake up to hard goals, not easy goals, hard goals. And I realized that this thing called grit that she was studying in the spelling bee winners and special forces and people who stay married, I had to understand that special sauce if I was going to be talking about hard goals in my book, Creating Your Best Life. And so that was how I learned about the quality of grit. In the process, in hindsight, I became particularly fascinated by the fact that I'd had to develop it in order to overcome my eating disorder bulimia 40 years ago. Because at the time, nobody got better. It was a death sentence. And I wanted to live more than I wanted to die. And I realized in hindsight, as I learned about the research and the book Gang Grit, that I had cultivated it and that it was separate from both success and talent. And it's really about that special sauce, that X factor, that hard work and passion and all these other qualities. And I realized that I needed to tell that story, too, because... People need to understand not just that they can cultivate grit, but why they need to cultivate it. And how do you define grit? How do you personally define grit? And, and this, what I, is it? Grit is a mixture of qualities and behaviors. So it starts with this basic passion and perseverance in pursuit of long-term goals. 
that is the given definition in the field of psychology. Because I work with so many just people, CEOs, senior leadership teams, um, all over the world, what I realized is it had to go further. And it had to go into the quality of going inside your comfort zone and taking risks to live the best life. But in the process of doing so, it has to inspire and awe other people to want to behave that way as well. No giving speeches, no kind of telling people what to do, but people who have what I call authentic grit, simply by virtue of how they live and how they do hard things, they collectively uplift the communities around them. And that, to me, is the highest and best definition and use of grit. Well, it's amazing. I was listening to Carol Lawson, Duke's head coach of basketball, and she was saying something along the lines of learning how to do hard things well. Life doesn't get easier. You know, the test doesn't get easier. Basketball doesn't get easier. It's because you are you learn how to do hard things well. So it seems like that falls right in line with with what you're discussing in regards to grit. Well, and it's not just doing any hard things well. It's about doing the things that you long to accomplish, not somebody else's goals, um, not something because you think you should do it. Grit is really defined also by the fact that these are your goals, your unique goals that you want to accomplish. And why is that? Because it's this passion, this inner passion that keeps you going when the going gets tough. And if it's someone else's goal, you're not going to have that. So it has to be your why, not someone else's why. Love it. Love it. So Caroline, do you feel that grit can be cultivated in uh, how, how do we know? Um, yes, I believe and can prove that grit can be cultivated. And we know it because when you look at people who have some of the ingredients earlier in life, maybe talent, maybe patience, uh, maybe humility, all of those things together don't necessarily lead into grit. But once you pull them together and harness them or add in the behaviors and the character values, in some cases, and strengths, that can all be pointed in the direction of your particular why, we know that people can cultivate this quality of grit simply by virtue of watching people go through major life transitions or for the first time in their lives deciding that going after something that's important to them, not someone else, is worth fighting for. And you see behaviors that maybe they've never demonstrated before. So once you know how to define grit and spot grit, you begin to see it all the time. Okay. Well, is there a such thing as too much grit? Yes. (laughs) When I, when I wrote the book, Getting Grit, I had to sit back again and think about how is my version of grit, which I call authentic grit, how's it different from, let's say, Angela Duckworth's grit? And what I realized is that when you work with people outside of a lab and and in human conditions, athletes, uh, salespeople, CEOs, composers, et cetera, what you realize very quickly is that the overuse of grit is a weakness. And I call it stupid grit. And there's many examples of stupid grit. For example, an entrepreneur who is so certain um, that the thing he or she has come up with is the answer to a certain challenge, and they refuse to take advice or market data or feedback from a board of directors, and they don't listen. Stupid grit is marked by arrogance and a lack of humility. And so stupid grit is also what we see in mountaineering. It's called summit fever. When you're so drunk on getting to the top of a mountain 
that you aren't listening to the Sherpas or being told, hey, there's a, an avalanche coming or a whiteout or the conditions are changing and you're drunk on getting to the destination that you really want to get to. So um, stupid grit is when conditions have changed and you refuse to take in information or data from the environment or, or other people that would caution you to change course or think a little bit differently about how to behave. Hmm, interesting. So, so what's the difference between selfie grit and faux grit? <laughs> I love this. So these are two other definitions I came up with. So selfie grit is something that I think is so endemic to the times we live in. It's been called the me, me, me generation. In fact, those are the most common words used in songs written in the 80s and 90s where I, me, and my, you know, it's been called the me, me, me generation, self-esteem generation. So what, what I saw when I looked again at the conditions where grit existed, but it was perverted grit, it repelled people as opposed to inspired them. I saw this version of selfie grit where people do do hard things, but they talk about it all the time. Um, they take credit for other people's work um, at times, but for the most part, they are doing hard, hard things, but they insist on um, letting everyone know there's no humility again. Uh, my poster child for that was the special forces officer who decided to break his anonymity, which is really anathema in special forces, in this, in this case, the Navy SEALs. And he said, well, I shot Osama bin Laden. It wasn't my teammates. It was me. And so I think there's this grabbing of credit that we, we've seen in the millennial generation, even Gen X, where everyone wants to be a star and have a YouTube moment. So they're not comfortable being in the background or letting other people have oxygen. So that's, that's selfie grit. Faux grit is the opposite. That's where you want everyone to think you've done hard things, but you don't have what it takes to do hard things. Uh, these are people who fake their research when they're going after a PhD um, or even just take Enron when um, they were giving tours uh, to people who were visiting their, the company and they had a a whole floor dummied up with fake traders and fake phones and everything else to try to pretend they were doing the hard work of making money when in fact they were defrauding investors hand over fist. So um, there's a lot of faux grit, performance enhancing drugs. Think Lance Armstrong wants everyone to think he won the Tour de France fair and square, but he didn't do it. So there are corrupted forms of grit out there that always repel people and are often marked by a lack of humility. So in essence, I guess that's that's cheat that's cheating. In in essence, that's what it is. Faux grit is really cheating the process. Absolutely, skipping the steps, just uh, not being willing to put in the work or the time. The most egregious example I saw um, when I was writing my book was people who buy a fake Medal of Honor award at, on eBay at a flea market, and then they'll put it on their resume or 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 put it on and wear it in a parade. I mean, that's the highest military honor in the United States. And I think there are fewer than 80 living winners of the Medal of Honor. I mean, the audacity of wanting people to think that you had that kind of intrepidity and gallantry under fire, it, it's just nauseous. Um, and yet people do it because they want everyone to think they did that hard, hard thing. What I know about grit is that many people long to have it and they're dying to know how do you build it? because we do admire people who go above and beyond uh, and don't take the easy way out, take the hard way, um, and they don't take shortcuts. And I think people are just craving the steps to have the right kind of grit and looking for role models all the time. 
Do you think grit is contagious though? Grit is indeed contagious. Some of this has come um, from Angela Duckworth's research where she found that your grit score, this very simple 12 question questionnaire, uh, when it's administered to West Point incoming cadets, the ones who had the slightly lower grit scores, because you know, let's let's just face it, if you're going to West Point, you probably have grit. But there were some who had lower and some who had higher. They roomed the lower grits um, cadets with the higher grit cadets, and they found that that was sufficient to raise grit scores, um, simply because it's a lot of behaviors and things that you begin to observe as a difference maker. Um, and so that is one of the ways. I'll tell you one other way I saw it. This is a story I have in Getting Grit. I saw a coach on ESPN, a football coach of a high school team in Tennessee, and he was talking about how an Iraq War veteran who had lost his legs um, had, had asked his high school, where he had been three-sport athlete, if he could just come cut the grass. They didn't even have to pay him. He just wanted to wake up for something, something bigger than himself. And he just wanted to cut the grass and be useful. Well, the coach goes on ESPN and says, I have to tell you, the most remarkable thing happened to my team of whiny teenage boys who said, oh, it's too hot, the bugs, the two-a-days. He said they all silently watched this man cutting the grass without legs, and they began to work harder. Grit is contagious. You want to embed somebody with those qualities in your organization, on your team, in your school environment, in your family, because we know that simply observing and being around it, it has that effect of elevating and uplifting other people's behaviors. To, to move forward on that point, as a, as a grit aficionado, as I'd like to call you, um, how do you feel about the participation trophy? Everybody gets to a trophy. Everybody gets to play. You know, it's that whole era of given, not earned. How, how do you feel about that? I don't feel good about it. And that's a piece of what I wrote about um, in the introduction to my, my book, Getting Grit, because I was so appalled to see the difficulties, the degree of difficulty being stripped out of my three children's lives as they were growing up. I mean, suddenly everyone was a winner. Suddenly there was a mercy rule in every sing single game they played in. You didn't keep score. Um, there, there was even a swim team we belonged to where we were told the record board had been hidden from the children because the parents were afraid that the children would be discouraged to see the Olympians had swum there when they were younger and that they'd been very, very fast and they thought it would hurt their feelings. Uh, this is why playgrounds have been dumbed down. This is why um, you can't play tag on a lot of elementary school playgrounds because you might break someone's bone. Sledding has been outlawed in a lot of towns. So how do I feel about it? It infuriates me because when you look at the research on what happened to this self-esteem generation, this parenting movement where you just told your children they were great, they didn't even have to do anything, they were great, you know, no valedictorians, everybody gets an A. What you find is that, you know, there were a lot of narcissists and sociopaths who were developed because of this, because they all began to believe they were entitled to things simply because they existed. They should all get a B for just setting foot in a class. Um, the average time of male marathoners in, in that generation went, went backwards by 42 minutes. The average time, now, I'm not, not talking about the most elite ones, but you know, people stopped taking risks. They stopped um, becoming entrepreneurs and, and, you know, they stopped climbing trees and breaking their legs. So I don't feel good about it. And I think the pendulum has begun to swing the other way. 
just a small example from my neighborhood park. Now, Katie Ledecky, the greatest swimmer of all time, lives right around the corner from me. I even drove her to swim practice when she was a little girl and my son was in her lane. And, um, you know, I was passing her house on the way to the 4th of July parade and they had winners this year, winners and losers. And Katie Ledecky is infamous for talking about how she got where she got by setting really hard goals uh, and learning from failures. So I think it really corrupted and retarded um, a, a, an entire generation of youth. Not all youth, of course, because many youth learn from sports. They're from the military or from Boy Scouts, you know, get, get into Eagle Scout. Found, and, and great parenting, parents who refuse to accept easy A's and participation trophies. Um, they did learn this quality um, of grit. And I want to, so I think we're going back there, but I quickly want to say that there are many, many underserved youth who come from disadvantaged backgrounds who do not need to hear the message that they need more grit. They've got grit simply by virtue of getting up and getting to school in the morning. They don't need to be taught grit. They need to be taught hope and maybe goal setting. So this isn't a message that's universal for everyone. Um, plenty of people have grit and they don't even know they have it um, because they're just getting by day to day. But by and large, there was a movement where we had to begin to teach young adults how to be adults. Courses on adulting began to uh, you know, proliferate on college campuses. They've stopped allowing everyone to bring their family pet to college ca campuses now because that was being so abused and people were bringing pigs into college dorms and the pigs were growing and breaking the furniture. Um, so, you know, enough's enough. Let's stand on our own two feet and do hard things and be satisfied with the fact that we gave it our best. If we begin to teach goal setting and the qualities of grit to every generation that's coming, I do believe that um, levels of anxiety and depression will go down because people will feel like they have autonomy in their lives and that they can create mastery experiences because they know what it takes to get an authentic compliment that relates to doing hard things. When we take a shortcut and kind of do this faux grit thing with all our children, we are taking the value of learning about hard work right out of their lives and we're not arming them for the future and the future is going to be hard and we're all watching it unfold in front of us and we have to be armed with the best of behaviors and character strengths and values in order to not just survive, but thrive. I could not agree more. Who, who does not need to cultivate grit? Well, I would say that it's children and, and people quite often who are already in difficult circumstances where um, they have to work very hard just to get the basics of life, you know, making decisions. Do I keep the electricity on or do I buy food? Um, kids who have to wake up and, and walk through let's just say uh, violent neighborhoods to get to school, to get to an after-school activity, that's not really about grit. They often have grit. It's different kinds of qualities. So I think it's, it's not the message we want to give to everyone. We have to be thoughtful about how we talk about grit and, and what it really does involve. That's, I mean, that's amazing. It, you know, those are the individuals who have that survival instinct because when yeah. folks are used to getting things that they may not have earned, um, they don't know what it's like when when it hits the fan and, and life becomes extremely difficult. They don't know how to survive. You know, it becomes a woe is me mentality. And so, you know, they they fall to the wayside, whereas those that may have understood what the struggle is and what survival is and that that innate grit that they've had to have, even though they not didn't know that they had it, 
you know, they 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 know how to fight and, and keep 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 on keeping on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we really have to look long and hard at the people who get to the top of any profession or any um, anything that people go out and try to do and endeavor to do. And, and it, people who have this quality of grit, and it's not because you were born into a special family. It's not something you can buy. It's it's the quality of behavior. It's humility. It's goal setting. Um, it's working with other people. Um, it's having resilience. It's having the ability to self-talk, um, to get yourself into the mindset where you change the channel when you want to quit. It's about having people who believe in you as well, creating that optimism. Um, and there is great research showing that if you have too few setbacks in life, too few major um, setbacks where your values are questioned and your world is rocked, it's as damaging to have too few as, as it is to have too many. Everyone needs between five and seven really significant setbacks in order to find out who they really are, what they're made of, who their friends are, what it takes to survive and thrive. And without that, life really never has the sweetness that it has when you work for what you want and you enjoy it when you get it, because nothing is as enjoyable as the thing that you worked hard for. And there's so much research on that. Uh, many TED Talks about that. So I just think you boil it all down to what is it you will not regret pursuing? Um, and what are you willing to do to take those risks and go outside your comfort zone to make sure that you live without regrets? And those are the people at the end of life who are not in the nursing homes, which has been studied. They're not the ones saying, you know, wow, I lived someone else's life, not the life I was meant to live. Because that's the number one regret of people in hospice care is that they didn't do that. They didn't take risks. They didn't pursue their dreams. They, they passed out programs for other people and they never got on stage in their own lives. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Um, before we get you out of here, we usually end with something called message in a bottle. And what that is, what is the message that you would leave to the younger, to your younger self uh, in a bottle to find if it were floating down the ocean? Oh, it's always an emotional question for me. Um, I would leave the message um, that when you love well and love much and choose carefully who should be the closest to you, you will always survive and thrive and that you should always pull other people along with you. Because I really do believe you can't keep what you don't give away. And so I would be sure to choose the right people, but then make sure I pulled other people along with me as I went forward. Excellent. Caroline, thank you so much for being on our show today and taking time for us. Oh, I'm deeply appreciative that you gave me the time to talk about something I'm so passionate about. And it really matters in the world right now more than ever. I would like to thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to today's episode of the Q's podcast. And many thanks to Caroline Adams-Miller for sharing great ideas about grit. You can see Caroline present at Director's Conference being held December 4th through 7th in Las Vegas. Find out more and register at cues.org DC. A full transcript of this episode can be found at cumanagement.com slash podcast 135. You can also find more great credit union specific content at cumanagement.com. And near and dear to my heart, you can learn more about how Talent Ed can help develop the leaders of your favorite nonprofit at talented.com. 
That's talented.com. Thanks again for listening today. Cues is an international credit union association that champions and delivers effective talent development solutions for executives, staff, and boards to drive organizational success.